There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome again to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Uh, Really delighted to be with you today, excited about uh, introducing you to my show guest today, Jane Hansom. Uh, We're going to talk about how to select a brand ambassador. Uh, Jane is a sports marketing expert. Uh, But before we do that, um, I will also say a a big thank you to my guest last week. Uh, For anybody who listened to the show last week with Peter Milligan, uh, we talked about transformational coaching and really enjoyed that conversation, really valuable to anybody in the coaching sphere. And if you want to, if you go to chriscooper.co.uk, you look in the news section, uh, then uh, you'll find the article there with uh, the Peter Milligan uh, advertising the show. And I've, I've attached there a PDF which summarizes the, uh, the interview and the key contents that Peter wrote. So do go and check that out. Um, so my guest today was introduced to me uh, by Carlin Pipes, who was a, a wonderful guest uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Carlin, uh, if you remember, was a 220 times world champion swimmer. And she said, you've got to invite and, and interview uh, my friend Jane Hansom, who's over in the UK. So brilliant to have Jane. Also interesting for me as well. I'm obviously very interested in marketing, but also uh, as an amateur runner and a keen cyclist, uh, Jane's a really brilliant uh, athlete and triathlete. So we'll talk about that uh, during the show. But creating those emotional connections with your brand, if you're a brand owner, it's such an essential part of any uh, marketing plan. Um, However, selecting brand ambassadors uh, can be a really powerful strategy, but there's obviously lots of risks with getting it right and a lot of mistakes out there with associating certain people uh, with your brand uh, who may or not be the right people uh, to do that with. Um, So Jane has got a a huge amount of experience. She's a marketeer with over 25 years of experience in integrated global brand marketing campaigns. She's worked across media channels from TV, print, digital, uh, social media. She's next board director of a global marketing agency, which is called 141, where she worked with uh, FMCG brands like Sony PlayStation and Mom and Cavoisier. But in 2005, she set up Sponge Marketing. And today they deliver creative marketing, PR, brand entertainment experiences in the sport, travel, and entertainment industry. Uh, Jane and her, and her team have got some incredible clients. They've got clients like Brooks Running and Zone 3, Wetsuits, who are they're doing uh, sort of brand influencer campaigns, you know, trying to identify the right uh, brand ambassadors and the right sort of strategies. They work with the Barbados Tourism Board, Nevis Tourism Authority, Challenge Family, Covello, all sorts of different companies, which some of them link in with Jane being a very keen uh, triathlete. Um, Jane's medaled for the Great Britain age group team in various world championships events from sprint to Olympic distance. And she sits on the board of the Triathlon Industry Association and advises government sporting bodies like London Sport on how to increase participation in sport. So let's... uh, Go over to Jane. Let's talk about um, some of her sporting uh, achievements and uh, learnings as well as um, some really focus in on this subject of brand ambassadorship. So a huge welcome to my guest today, Jane Hansom. Oh, thank you for having me. You're very welcome, Jane. You're very welcome. Um, whereabouts are you speaking to us from today? 
Um, so I'm based in, in the UK. I'm based calling you from London today. Excellent. Well, lovely to speak to you, Jane. I think the last time we spoke, you were, you were doing uh, some training out in Tenerife, which uh, sounded quite, quite glamorous, but you're back to the cool weather. Yeah, I am. Unfortunately, it was it was very lovely while it lasted, but um, I'm, I had to come back to do some work. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anybody hears any slight bleeps in in Skype, I don't know what it is, but when I interview people in London, and obviously I'm over here in the UK, um, we seem to have bleeps, and it seems in London um, I could speak to people like Carlin in Hawaii, and it's absolutely perfect. So, if there's any slight little glitches, then uh, please uh, please do ignore those, and um, we will. Uh, however, be giving you lots of good ideas and thoughts today. So, Jane, would you tell us a bit about your background and, you know, what was it in your background and the way you were brought up uh, that led you into marketing? Oh, well, my goodness. Um, when I um, left university, I decided to travel around the world for a year um, and um, ended up um, in New Zealand, actually. Um, and so a fabulous... Um, company there called Kiwi Experience, which basically was a jump on, jump on, off bus for um, backpackers, for people who wanted to travel around and see the country. Um, and I'm, I'm Scottish, and um, I came from Edinburgh, and the transport links um, in Scotland um, are not great. And I thought this was a fabulous idea. And um, so when I once I finished traveling around the world, I came home and I didn't really want to get, you know, a normal job and, you know, go through the normal kind of like milk round ch channels. And um, I decided to um, come back and I set up um, a business running backpacker tours in the north of Scotland. And so that was my first ever job. That was then um, that really was what led me into marketing. You've always been quite entrepreneurial then. Um, yeah, I think so. Well, I guess from day one, you know, I, I, I was pretty, pretty sure that I didn't want um, a big job in a, in a corporate company. I actually, you know, when I was at university, I did actually, um, I was selected um, as one of the kind of top 20 grads in the UK to go on um, a couple of training camps. One of them was with American Express and the other one was with ICI. So really two big kind of like corporate companies. Um, and you're there for a week and you're put through lots of kind of psychometric tests and business tests, you know, like being put in a room and asked to build a helicopter full of Lego, this kind of thing. Um, and at the end of the week, I was, um, I was told, that I was far too entrepreneurial and I was virtually, I was unemployable um, by, by a large organization and that I would do uh, much better just to, you know, get on and do my own thing, which I, which I then just duly did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's quite interesting. It'd be interesting to see a you know, corporate company's perception of that today because I think you know, that's one thing that you know, companies often start, well, starting to recognize these days that they actually need more entrepreneurial people in their organizations and not just uh, corporate types. Oh, absolutely. I think it's completely changed these days. Absolutely. I think the way, way of working nowadays is is a lot different. People are working remotely um, and people are really actively encouraged to be a lot more entrepreneurial and creative. Um, so I think that's a, I think that's a jolly good thing. And what's there something in, you, you know, your, uh, you know, your origins in Scotland and your, your, your family as you were growing up that was, entrepreneurial that gave you this spark or is it just something that naturally flows through you um oh I don't know my goodness um I just um you know I like doing I like doing my own thing I've got quite a clear idea of 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 um 
of what I want to do and what I want to achieve. And to be honest, I'd much rather be, um, you know, in charge of my own destiny, I think. Um, I think when I was growing up, I was, um, I think I was quite entrepreneurial. I used to, you know, sell things at the weekend at, you know, car boot sales and, you know, come up with kind of harebrained schemes when I was a kid, you know, selling, you know, juice at the side of roads for 10p a pop, you know, that, that kind of thing. So I think... I think I always have been quite entrepreneurial, but I think um, it's just been driven by the fact that I want to, um, you know, I, I wanted to do, I wanted to choose my own career and I wanted to forge my own um, work life. Um, and yeah, it just, um, I think really if you, um, it's one of these kind of life lessons that I know to be true now. And it's always difficult when you're, when you're younger, I'm, I'm often asked to, speak at schools and to give advice on on what kind of like path people should choose and I always tell them I always tell these school kids never to chase the money you have to you know you have to do what you love and if you're good at something and there's passion then everything else will follow that's really really good advice but you, you know you clearly have a, a passion for marketing was that uh, that did that come from you uh, undertaking this developing this company in Scotland initially or was it did you more acquire that while you were you know brand director at 141 ah well no no I think um, I think it was always there I mean I love marketing um I'm not really quite sure where it, where it comes from but I I just um I find it easy and I find it really clear and I just find it really obvious um it was funny actually because I did when I set up Highland Experience. It was I did it for quite a few years and, and it was a big success I actually managed to sell I sold the company um, and and bought my first flat in, in Edinburgh. But then, funnily enough, because I hadn't had any formal training, I'd done a marketing and an economics degree at university, but because I had not done any formal training, I actually um, worried about the fact that I hadn't had hadn't hadn't been formally trained. So I decided then to join a, an agency in Scotland, um, which was quite funny because as soon as I turned up in this new in this agency, I realised I actually didn't need any formal training at all, um, and that a lot of a lot of it was like really intuitive, really intuitive. So, um, so I but I just kept going on that path. You know, I I just I really like working for um, brands, and I think the basic principles of marketing are the same. It doesn't really matter whether you're working for a beer brand or you know, a can of dog food, um, as long as you understand consumer motivation and what is the driving force behind any purchasing decision. Um, I, I mean, that's really the basis of, of marketing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and did you, um, I, kind of, I kind of admire you in, in the respect that you, you talk there about following your passion, you talk to school children about following your passion. And what I find really fascinating with you is you have this real interest in sport and uh, you, you're a triathlete, uh, and yeah, maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, you know how you you got into triathlon. But what I find is is fascinating is how that's now merged into you know the marketing and the sport has come together with the types of clients you have. So you're you know following all your passions really in you know in a package. Ah yes, okay. So um, so at school and university, I mean, I, I did compete at a at a national level and at swimming and cross country. But as soon as I went to work for um, the marketing agency in my early twenties, and um, I mean, I, I ended up on, on a, on a, on a, a career path that 
basically was to see me look after um, all of the major brands um, for a big drinks company called Allied de Mec. Um, and this this really involved doing a lot of client entertaining. Um, I did very little sport for 20 years. I, I went out, I entertained a lot. There was lots of drinking involved, lots of food. And, um, and actually, at, by the age of 40, I was pretty unfit and had a, a quite a bad lifestyle I was definitely overweight and and my clients at the time um Sony PlayStation they had um five golden bond places for the London Marathon and they asked me if I would um join them as their agency and I was absolutely terrified this filled me with the fear of God actually I mean I I was definitely three stone overweight I couldn't run for a bus um, I smoked at the time, um, and I refused to um, to do this. And then they insisted, um, and you know, I had to give in. I think it coincided with me looking at in the mirror, thinking, "Do you know what you really could do with doing this? You need a challenge." Um, and so I set about training. Um, and six months later, I towed the line at the London Marathon. I was. I'd lost loads of weight. I think I was three stone lighter and I managed to get round in a, a, I thought it was a fairly respectable time of just under four hours. Um, And that, the whole process just completely reignited my love of sport. Um, And I, you know, I just reminded myself that I actually really loved sport. I loved competing. And then I did three marathons in very quick succession. So within the year, I had done another three marathons and I'd managed to knock a Popping hour of my time, um, finishing the New York Marathon in two hours fifty eight minutes, and coming um, third in my category. So I was the third master. This is that they they have a, they call the masters and um, anyone over forty. <laughs> so um, so I came third, and the whole kind of process was just wonderful. You know, I I had a goal that I wanted to. To, I wanted to 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 um, to do this sub three hour marathon, um, and um, and it was wonderful. There's nothing quite as as um, as uh, fabulous a feeling of achievement as having a goal like that, and then systematically working towards that for six months, and then going and delivering it and achieving it. So, yeah. So that was that was that was. Ex- Exactly why I I, um, I got into sport, um, and then I I did a couple more marathons, and then it was my brother actually that reminded me that I could um, swim. So I um, so I entered a triathlon. I bought myself a bike, and I thought, oh, well, I'm going to give triathlon a try. So I did. Uh, that's, well, I'm absolutely in awe. I, I, having run Lon- the London Marathon and New York myself, and not quite managed to get under four hours. I know how difficult that is. So it really really inspired by that. I actually ran the New York Marathon six months earlier. I, I didn't think I was any good at sport until I went to a gym and sat on a bike having a, a gym test in London at a at Holmes Place gym in Ealing and suddenly found when I couldn't hardly push the pedals around because they're putting more and more pressure on me that uh, they informed me it wasn't because I was bad and really unfit. I've got an incredibly high aerobic capacity. So six months later, it inspired me to run the New York Marathon. Um, so I've run it to the day, actually. So uh, you had a little story like yourself. Um, so let's just, um, before we go into the commercial break, because it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's coming up in a couple of minutes' time, I wonder, you know, what's, um, what, what is this thing about brand ambassadorship? What is it? Oh, well, brand ambassadors um, are, are basically brand advocates who 
promote and spread the good word about brands and products that they like to their network. Um, so in effect, they're, sports, they're spokespeople for the brand. And, and sometimes brands pay them to do this. And other times, if they're very lucky, um, brands can find um, people who, 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 who'd like to do that because they just they, they are a brand fan. Um, so yeah, so that's what a brand ambassador is. And you know, the, a, a real brand ambassador should really embody the brand identity in in you know demeanor and values and ethics and and you know use a similar tone of voice um and the best brand ambassadors really not only help with brand awareness but they actually drive sales so they influence people to to change their purchasing decisions so so, so to date with this um this is uh, an area of your the service that you offer now is to help people with with brand ambassadorship um but well, i think it's fascinating that you know you come together and you do that in, in a number of sectors but also in sport yeah exactly I do that for many of my clients yeah so uh, so well, after the break we're going to talk uh, much more about um, about brand ambassadors and how people have got it wrong how to get it right we're going to talk about um, some examples from sport and some of the things that you really need to consider to get uh, your brand ambassadorship Right, so we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific. Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. 
Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Jane Hansen, and we're talking about brand ambassadorship. So, Jane, what's you know, give me some examples of when you know brands have really got this wrong, and uh, maybe maybe you know what happens when they do get it right. Um, okay, when brands can get this wrong in many ways, I think the main way is that brands hire ambassadors who just don't match the brand values. Um, and it's fairly obvious. For example, you know, a makeup brand hiring someone who is known for being fresh-faced or maybe a moisturizer brand hiring someone who has said in the past that they don't use moisturizer. You know, it's really silly mistakes. And, and that can happen because the brands don't research um, properly um, the influencers. They don't cross-check them. They don't vet them. Um, one of the worst examples, I think, is um, many many brand ambassadors out there, they switch brands quite a lot. So, you know, they're quite happy to to um, to see that the brand that they're using at the time, um, you know, is the best. The trouble is, is that they forget that people who follow them in their circle have, you know, quite good um, memories. And, you know, they, they notice that they were wearing one pair of running shoes shoes you know two weeks ago and now they're wearing a different pair of running shoes um so that's really not ideal and um, i think that's really the worst and the um the the last example is is people brand ambassadors um talking um to their audience but not talking about it in the right way um so for example they will say they will be too blatant in their endorsement. You know, they, they'll, they'll say that I like, um, I like brand, uh, I like this running shoe um, because of X, but, but it doesn't feel authentic and it feels very, very obvious um, that they're reading from a tight script. I think that's the worst. So, quite interesting, very interesting this, and that what we're also saying is it's important for the company to think about that and maybe how a you know a brand ambassador can move from brand to brand and it might look inauthentic but there's also there's also a point here in that the the person who's been the brand ambassador needs to maybe have a strategy and think about who who do they really uh, love so their products and so they're being authentic uh, because they you know, have a negative impact on their brand can't it if they are endorsing things which um, maybe don't uh, add to their their brand themselves. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and this is very true of um, of, of of sports people, um, as well as actually, you know, the, 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 actually it applies to any ambassador. I mean, everybody. If you think about it, everybody is their own brand. Um, and, you know, you. I think it's incumbent on, on brand ambassadors to remember that or anybody who is operating in this domain to remember that because it does not look good um, if one minute they're promoting one thing and then the next minute they're promoting something else. It really does look very, very inauthentic. Um, and I think that's, I think that's key. I think I'm, I'm very aware of that. I mean, I, I would actively um, only endorse brands that I specifically love. In fact, all of the brands that I, that are in my stable, in my, in my, my client stable, I have approached them and um, because they were my preferred brands. And that's really, you know, that's really the way it should be. Um, that's the organic, 
um, the, the organic brand ambassadorship that is the strongest because people in my network, they know that when I'm promoting um, any of the brands that I that I wear, um, they know that that is my brand of choice. You know, I, I deliberately ride a Cervelo bike because I love that brand and I think that that is the best bike um, for me in, in triathlon. I just, I think it's wonderful. All of my bikes are Cervelos. I don't have any other brand. So that is definitely my brand. And the same goes for any other product that I choose to endorse. And I think people know that because they know that I don't brand switch. I'm, I'm really, I'm, a, I'm super loyal. And I think, that's, um, I think that's very important when it comes to brand ambassadorships. It makes a huge amount of sense. And again, like we talked, you know, you love sport and you, you like marketing, but it must feel so much more congruent with you, the fact that you are able to you know, support brands which you personally love. Uh, you know, how... And how much better, it doesn't get any better than that, does it, in terms of your enthusiasm then to support that brand? Oh, it's fabulous. I mean, you know, sport sport has absolutely changed my life. You know, I mean, yes, I'm a marketeer and in theory I could work on any brands from, you know, beer to dog food. Um, but it, it's, I love sport. I specifically love the sport of triathlon. Um, I'm involved in the most fabulous global community of triathletes. I absolutely understand it. I understand the community. I understand the sport. Um, I understand the brands in the sport. Um, it's really easy for me to um, to comment as uh, on the brands. For example, you know, I understand the product. You know, I'm if I'm wearing a particular running shoe, my preferred running shoe. I know why it's different. I know why I think it's the best because I'm using it, um, and I'm I'm in that world. It's part of my lifestyle, so I think that all really adds to the to the authenticity of it because I'm not just marketing a product. I'm actually using that product. I'm I'm using it every day. Um, I rate it. I I'm racing with it. You know. I'm I'm and so I'm. It, extremely well qualified to talk about it because I really, really do understand um, why it's different and why um, and why it's better. And if I tell people that, then it's really clear that that's, you know, 100% authentic. Um, and, that's, and that's really valuable um, for a particular brand to actually have brand ambassadors like that who can absolutely influence and, and, and promote the brand and tell the, their network quite different with some element of authority. It's really interesting to have a look out there who, who is maybe wearing your brand and talking about it, uh, who already may be being ambassadors and you're not actually paying them at the moment, but uh, they're maybe talking about it in their social media, that they look the brand. Uh, do you look for that sort of thing when you are searching for ambassadors? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when there are various things that you need to do when you're recruiting a successful brand ambassador. And I mean, you know, that's absolutely one of them. I mean, the, the best way to find a, a brand ambassador is firstly, you have to understand which niche you want to be present in. So, for example, if you're a nutrition brand and are selling nutrition for endurance events you might want to decide to focus on long distance run events or long distance triathlon or, or or endurance events that 
category or um, if you're a run shoe brand that it's all about enjoying running um, rather than PB hunting then you might want to decide to target a wide audience of runners but also fitness lovers general gym goers and crossfitters um, and once you've decided um, on that niche then one of the best things to do is to actually do a little bit of social media monitoring because these brand ambassadors are the loudest influencers your brand will ever have um, because not only does their audience follow them um, because what they write aligns with your brand but they'll talk loudly and actively about how much they like your company so by tuning in your social media mentions um, about your brand you'll find influencers you maybe didn't realize that you had um, and those people who are actually organically um, loving your brand these are the people that you want to enroll first because they're already doing it um, and then the second thing that you would do after that is um, is find influencers who, who are maybe um, keen runners or keen triathletes so basically they're advocates the, the niche that you've outlined um, and they might tweet heavily about running um, but they might not be mentioning your particular run kit and um, those are the second tier of um, ambassadors that you want to get on board because these are people who are you know in quite heavily involved and, and communicating and influencing in the in the niche that you want to be in so these are the these are the, the two ways that you actively um, can find ambassadors um, for your brand. So we're not just talking here about having a well-known face representing your brand. We're talking about a strategy where we, we connect with many people in the marketplace who have a, a warmth towards your brand or operate, operating and talking a lot in the sector, and we develop a relationship with them. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know what content. And context is important, again, because, you know, influencers are different for each brand. Um, and it's not always about the numbers. You know, there's a good example that, you know, Justin Bieber, for example, is a, he's massive on social media. He has a ludicrous number of followers. I think it's close to 40 million, you know, but if he's going to be, I'm not sure whether his tweet about running shoes um, or um, chaplain bikes would be very relevant because all of his followers are 12 year old girls so you know the context is important you know it's not just about the number of followers you really need to define that first and and you need to have a contextual fit as you as you need to choose that a good personality type you know you need to decide if your brand um wants an active an activist an authority an informer you know, if they want to, if they're funny, if they're going to be irreverent, you know, or if they're a bit more serious, you know, you really need to find a personality type also. Um, yeah, so it's not, not just a case of picking the people with the most reach. There's, you know, there's a, a lot more, um, you know, there's a lot, uh, many more considerations to consider. So are you kind of, with your work with your clients, are you kind of working on things like you're defining an avatar, the, the ideal person? Uh, for your brand, do you is that the sort of work you do? Um, well, when we um, find influencers for our um, our our shoes, for example, I work for Brooks Running, and we're we're we're, we're finding we're running an influencer campaign for Brooks. And um, what we'll do is we will um, find two key individuals who are perhaps 
celebrity runners, but the type of running that we want to associate ourselves with. So we're not after a PB hunter. We don't want to sponsor any professionals who are going to win the Berlin Marathon. That's not really what we're about. We are all about the joy of running and appreciating the benefits that running can give you you know, from a physical and a mental um, perspective. So we will then target um, influencers who tweet about the joy of running. For them, it's not about running fast. I don't care how fast these people are running. All I care about is the fact that running is very important to them because it really adds value to their life and they enjoy it. They have a real joy of running. That's that's really helpful to... To understand that, because I think a lot of people, if you think about brand ambassadors, you, you, you know, my mind immediately goes to the celebrity, and but actually, it's, it's much, much more this subject than that, isn't it? It's about uh, connecting with maybe very normal people who are much more approachable uh, to people out there in the marketplace, uh, and uh, are much more like them. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, this is and this is um, this is very interesting, actually. You know, you do need to be accessible. I think there's a real move by many brands um, who used to sponsor a lot of um, professionals or celebrities purely to get the reach. Um, however, there's a real rise in the whole arena of, um, of what we call micro bloggers um, because these are real people. And whilst they might not have millions of Twitter followers, so their reach might not be huge, for example, and their engagement is massive um, and people really relate to them. Um, and I think this is something that will definitely be a trend um, moving forward for 2018 and, and beyond. And it's becoming a lot more powerful um, because your everyday person is not inspired by somebody, a professional athlete. You know, like Mo Farah, who's 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 winning national and um, and Olympic golds. What they are influenced and and um, and inspired by is is, um, is everyday heroes. You know, like maybe the the guy next door to them has lost three or five stone, and he is you know he was he's now a runner, and it doesn't really matter how fast he's going or how slow he's going, but he's getting out and he's he's doing it and. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are becoming influencers or the most unlikely influencers. Um, and um, and they have a huge following, a huge following. And people are asking them for advice. You know, like, what shoes are you wearing? What gels are you using? Um, you know, it's fabulous. And it just it's, it's, it just really goes to show that it's, it's, so it's sometimes the most unlikely um, people who are inspiring the most. I guess the technology today is so different as well, isn't it? People are not just getting their news and information from the you know, the national media and newspapers. They're you know, getting it from YouTube. They're getting it from from social media. Uh, and you know, it's interesting how the you know well-known people start to have started to come from the masses, really, and not from necessarily from that national uh, big picture uh, you know, of, of high achievement or high social presence because you're on a news channel uh, weekly or yeah absolutely I, I you know I couldn't agree more this is something that I've seen um, with many of my clients over the years you know there was a time you know working for bands like Sony PlayStation that the majority of the budget 
marketing budget used to be spent above the line, and now it's virtually zero. And all of the all of the marketing budget um, is spent online, digitally, um, and a lot of it now moving forward is being spent on um, influencer campaigns because the way that people consume media is different, um, and um, and and the and the, the the influence is different too. You know, so um, so yes, it's 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 really very interesting. I mean, they say that you know, influencer marketing ads spend is is poised to reach between five and ten billion by two thousand and twenty-two. I mean, that's massive. Wow, that's incredible. A whole marketplace that a lot of people don't really, you know, appreciate exists. I think it's oh. it's interesting. You know, whereas people would put their get their marketing budget into a brand, you know, there's also a risk. Like, like I'm thinking about sort of a Tiger Woods or someone like that. There's a risk that if, uh, if if there's some negative press around them, that that impacts your brand. And you see a lot of a lot of these big people like Nike, and somebody somebody gets out of favour for the, for some reason, and suddenly they're discontinuing their sponsorship, and it just all feels a bit inauthentic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, absolutely. There's um, there's you know, quite a few brands who um. Um, sorry, quite a few ambassadors who are using a particular brand, um, and you know, we—it's it, fairly obvious that they're not massive brand fans. I mean, there's there's even examples of, you know, professional athletes using equipment which, you know, everybody knows is making them slower or 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 or, or, or not such a good athlete. Um, clearly, the money that they're being paid by the brand outweighs that, but. You know, for people in the know, it's quite inauthentic. You know, and I think the real brand fans in the real sports know who they are, and um, and as soon as that starts happening, then it can be quite negative. I was thinking that at, with, with Formula One, when you see them when they finish the race, they must be out really hot. They're keeping the helmet on, and then when they take the helmet on, they're putting a cap on the head, which is probably the last thing they really want on their heads with the brand sponsor on it. Uh, so it gets TV coverage. It just feels a bit inauthentic, really. We're going to go to commercial break now, and after the break, we're going to have a look at some guidelines that we should put in place uh, when you're working with a, a brand sponsor, uh, and uh, it's really you know, sort of how you reward your brand ambassadors as well. So I didn't mean brand sponsor, I meant brand ambassador. How you reward them as well. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One to one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Jane Hanson. We're talking about brand ambassadorship. Uh, if you've got any comments about the show, feel free to drop me an email at chris at chriscooper.co.uk or, or get in touch with Jane. I'll give Jane's uh, details at the end of the interview. Um, so, Jane, what sort of guidelines should you put in place around how you, you know, work together with a brand ambassador? Okay, well, I think it's um, it's quite important. As soon as you've decided... Uh, um, on the the type of ambassador that you are having, so you've you've basically worked out um, the niche, you've found them, you, you have worked out the personality type you want, you know that they can um, that they have the reach that you want um, on that particular um, platform, whether that might be Twitter or Instagram. Um, then I would um, I would go through a ch- checklist. Um, and make sure, first of all, that they, they they understand, they have a basic understanding of marketing, I think is quite important. Um, I don't expect them to be an expert, but if they can understand how they're expected to behave online, then then that's good. Um, if I, It's quite important, the tone of voice. I mean, it, it's the same, it's the same situation I guess if you can imagine yourself at a cocktail party and running up to somebody and saying you know my name's x and I'm fabulous and the reason why I'm fabulous is x y and z it would just sound completely and utterly bonkers so I think it's really important the tone of voice and how you um, present the brand and it is super important and you do need to have a little bit of lightness of touch and the tone of voice is massively important and I do think this is where a lot of people get this wrong um, you know you you have to have a, a high level of professionalism and understand how to represent your brand and um, because this is one of the areas I see a lot I mean it sounds me that many brands are so desperate for awareness that they will give out free products to as many people as you know humanly possible and then let them all loose on social media and allow them to say what they want i mean it's 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 crazy these are these people are 
representing your brand. They are your brand spokespeople. And it's really important that you give them some kind of guidelines in terms of how to behave. And so they really need to understand what's expected of them and how you want them to behave from a tone of voice perspective and and you also really ought to give them an idea of what they have to say in terms of messaging. Um, Now I'm not talking about being completely prescriptive because I think this is something that, this is one of the things that often dulls um, content and um, if you tie the brand ambassador's hands too much it can be detrimental. So you do need to give them a certain amount of autonomy, but you know some some rigorous brand training before you um, you know let them loose is a good thing. So, do you have? You know, would you would you would you bring brand ambassadors into a, a location, into say a company head office, and let them see how the products are made, and yeah. do a briefing session with them, and give them collateral and things to take away, and. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if possible, from a geographical perspective, I absolutely would um, encourage everybody to come and have a day's training um, because it's really important that not only that they learn about the brand and the product, um, but also um, that they understand how the brand wants to be portrayed, you know, that they they need to understand the tone of voice if it's a if it's a quirk kind of a reverent fun tone of voice then everybody really needs to be on the same page and to you know to to not come across in in too serious a manner um and the yeah they need to understand key um key points of difference about the brand and any key messaging that is important um, so yeah, I think that's a that's a great idea. If that's if that's possible, then you know it's it's much more beneficial to have actually everybody in a room learning about the brand firsthand um, and feeling that. Then you know some kind of an online um, webinar is can work also if it's a global brand ambassador campaign that you're delivering and it's just really too difficult to to be somebody in America, for example. And do you give these people some help around marketing, or are they, are they generally good marketers anyway? Um, well, that's that's really one of the things that I look for because I do look for a knowledge and an appreciation of marketing. I think that's one of the most important things about a good brand ambassador. Actually, you know, it's almost as important as maybe the reach and engagement. It's it's somebody who really does understand what they're trying to say and and see it in the right way. I.e., you know, not too pushy. You know, I mean, these people are. You know, we want we almost are looking for natural leadership skills because I mean these these guys need to have an opinion. You know, they're supposed to be confident and and be promoting the products that they're using, but they they need to do it in the right way. I mean, there's no point in you know sending a tweet saying I I think um, those running shoes are the best. You know, they need to they need to have a, a bit of lightness of touch. They need to you know offer a reason why. And um, I mean, I would much rather. Um, my brand ambassador said, you know, running, I love running every day because it, it really promotes a sense of well-being or, you know, it clears my mind or I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't miss my daily run um, as opposed to saying, um, I like these shoes, <laughs> you know, because that's just very pedestrian and vanilla. You know, you, the, whatever you're saying um, about the brand really needs to be delivered um, with the brand flavour, 
if you like, the tone of voice. I think that's fab- really, really important. So, so would people, you recommend people use a tone of voice as opposed to naming the brand or would they be in, the, in a photo wearing the brand? And um, oh well, they could. They could. I mean, what, what we would do is we would not only um, brief them about the brand values and the and the the brand personality and, and the tone of voice, so that they understood um, what the brand values and the mission and the and the, the personality was. But we would actually try to um, get as much content from them at all. I mean, the, a true influencer of the brand is going to be passionate about your brand. So. And our, so our goal would be to get as much content from um, influencers as, as possible. And so we would suggest, we would make suggestions. We would ask them to perhaps upload photos and videos of, of themselves. Um, we would then promise that we would then amplify their content. So that usually is, is a good thing to do because any um, brand ambassador likes to be, um, likes to have their post amplified you know, I mean, social media is quite a narcissistic place. So, you know, if you're producing social media content and people are sharing and retweeting, then, you know, brand ambassadors usually love that. Um, and I would also incentivize any user-generated content with product giveaways or maybe discounts. So we would absolutely, not only would we educate about the brand, but we would give advice on how the brand ambassador could produce good content. So we we definitely help them um, in that regard. You know, we'll give them um, pointers in terms of, you know, what we would expect in terms of content. I mean, obviously, some people are better than others. That You know, some, some people just do not need any guidance whatsoever. But, um, but we, would always, um, we would always give them a, a, a little bit of a tutorial just in case. And how do you reward these, these people? Ah, well, I think... It's important to reward them, absolutely. And, you know, that can be done in, in many ways. Um, you can reward them with free product. I mean, it's only right that, you know, somebody who's such a brand fan and who is being so vocal about it, it's important that they do get rewarded. Um, you can, and rewarding them can, can come in many different forms. You can acknowledge the fact that you appreciate their work, and that can just be by you know, giving them a shout out on social media, retweeting or amplifying any of their content and sharing their content on your channels. You can give them free products to say thank you. Um, and you, if you feel like they are um, doing a great job, um, then you can pay them. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing if you do, if the motivation has come from the right place. Um, I think it's very different um, hiring somebody from scratch and actually paying them to say good things about your product or alternatively having a somebody who's so passionate and who's such a brand fan that you reward them for that. I think it's... I think it's, that's... Yeah. I think it's interesting, you know, what's going through my mind is that uh, you know, it's so important, isn't it, to find these people who really genuinely do love the product. Otherwise... We can't really trust what's online, can we? If it's if it's got a company behind it, uh, you, you know, and uh, paying somebody. But if you, you find those people who are generally authentic and they they're generally using the best products, that's got to be good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it's quite key. I mean, you 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 made reference to authenticity there. 
this is the this is the singularly most important thing I think personally and in the whole sphere of influencer or brand ambassador marketing you have to be authentic and if people stop believing that you are authentic then the message is just not as powerful people just stop simply stop believing so it's really important that you know that you actually um, are a brand ambassador for brands that you genuinely love Makes an enormous, uh, enormous amount of sense. So, if people want to become brand ambassadors because they do particularly love products, is the answer for them to, you know, start shouting about them, the products that they love on social media, so somebody like yourself picks them up? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're a brand fan, then, you know, you should um, tell everybody, tell the world about it, because if you're really passionate about a particular product and you use it anyway, if you start to, um, to, to tell everybody, then, you know, I would imagine that you might be getting a call very quickly from the brand in question because you represent the, the, the best, the best ambassador that that brand could possibly have. Excellent. Well, I'd just like to say I like Cannondale bikes, uh, Asics trainers and PRS guitars. I'll just get that in at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. I hope they're listening. I just hope so. (laughs) So, so what, do you have any final messages that you'd like to leave us with? Wow, okay. The, well, just, just like any other marketing trend, you know, influencer marketing will continue to morph and evolve, you know, just the same way that billboards became banner ads and banner ads are now content marketing. You know, I really foresee influencer marketing becoming an integral part of any brand's marketing strategy, you know, and that could mean taking quotes from an influencer and using it in advertising or using the videos or photos that, or any user-generated content in some kind of paid media. Um, and for that to be most, most um, powerful, your authenticity and relevancy is absolutely fundamental. So, you know, the kind of, I guess the final message would be keep it real. And that's, um, you know, that's, that will be um, more powerful than anything else. Jane, I've really enjoyed talking with you. I think, you know, what you've really demonstrated to me, I think there's some, a few key messages here. There's, uh, I love the way that you, you know, your passions of, of marketing and sport have come together in the work that you do. Uh, and, you know, the way this, uh, this area of brand ambassadorship you feel very passionate about. But I, what you've really done for me today, and I'm sure for people listening, is realize there's actually quite a science about this and that this is a really important thing to get right, to get advice, to have the right people helping you to develop the right strategy for you and to make the right connections with the right influencers and train them up well to uh, be able to influence your brand uh, and be an ambassador for you. So huge thank you, Jane, for being on the show today. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Good, good stuff. And if you want to find out more about Jane Hansom, go to www.spongemarketing.com. Uh, is there a um, social media link or anything you want people to go to, Jane, to connect with you? Um, well, there's. Um, you can contact us on Sponge, Sponge Marketing. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, um, or follow us on Instagram. Wonderful. And uh, thank you. And on next week's show, we've got strategy experts, Adam Harris and Robert Craven. We're going to talk about you know, you're developing your strategy for life and your business and a really uh, clever approach that both Adam and Robert, that 
have. Um, I'm very bought into it. It's something called this check-in strategy journal. I use it, and a number of my clients now use this system as well. So do join us uh, next week. I guess I'm an ambassador for that their product uh, in a certain way. They don't say um, thank me in uh, in monetary terms or anything like that, but I genuinely love um, their approach. So do join us next week. A huge thank you again to Jane Handsome uh, and to Sponge Marketing, and I look forward to speaking to you again in another week. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.